Hey, how's it going? Pretty good. I think last time or a couple times ago, we talked about leadership. And on the one hand, I guess you could imagine you'd think a leader would emerge from anarchy. Or do you think that anarchy would just become a stable, um, whatever you call it, an anti-government? I have um, two anecdotes to, to say, and then without really reacting to your question yet, but just to kind of things that are that I'm like attaching to what you're saying. Hmm. One is uh, the walking dead. Okay. That, I haven't that seen show. It. And uh, basically it's like what really intrigued me about that show was your entire c- cultural artifice is gone. Your institutions are gone. Mm-hmm. Everything's, everything's gone. You're it's like you're on the planet now and okay, go ahead. Now what do you do? It's a total mm-hmm. blank slate. Mm-hmm. And, what ends up happening is I think one of the main arcs in the show is um, uh, one group that's kind of kind to each other, but there's definitely a leader and he runs the show and makes decisions and it's not a democracy, but he kind of manages them all along, you know, in a very respectful way. And, you know, mm-hmm. and then they, inca- they get basically subsumed by a much more violent leader who has organized people and and uses you know violence and does not it's it's all just you know total top down muscle, mm-hmm. um, so kind of two different deals there that kind of came together. There's no government, you know. There's no there's nothing, and mm-hmm. it, it did seem like you know if you so I'll just leave that there for a second. And then the other one is uh, I was I happened upon a story about a New Hampshire town that experimented with anarchy. Oh yeah, <laughs> what? So I some libertarian. It may not be fully anarchy. That may not be the right way to go with it. But they invited uh, lib- uh, libertarian activists. Oh, to I've move heard, there. Yeah, I've heard of this. I actually heard of this. I I don't remember. I just only heard of it. But yeah, do you know what happened? Like, yeah, how did it play out. Yeah, bears started hurting people. <laughs> bears. Cause there was, yeah, because there was no. No government regulation about how people engage with bears and no one stepped in to, you know, kind of muscle how you have to engage with bears and people engage with bears in the wrong way and fed them. And then the bears became dependent on food because they don't, without learning how to feed from their mother, they they only learn, they have no natural instinct for feeding. So if you feed them from a bird feeder, that is then, as when they're little, mm. They don't, they don't know any other way. And so that happened. And then they had a bear attack problem in the town <laughs> afterwards. <laughs> so, um, I, I guess I think, uh, you know, natural leaders emerge in all circumstances. I mean, just some people are just that way. And I don't see how anarchy would be any different. Right. So I guess, I guess we're both operating under the tacit assumption that people would group together which I think is a pretty fair assumption. It would be a lone wolf, like even a single family. Uh, I suppose depending on how it happened. Yeah, right. Like, I don't know. It seems like there was a a choice. Listening to um, uh, audio something about Russia, and it was like, they were like, we're going to tell you all about Russia from the 1700s on. And... They started by saying what Russia was coming from, which was uh, not having a government. They had tribes and they had, you know, and so there were 
uh, czars that were come. I'm, again, I'm saying all this wrong, but it was something along the lines of, you know, somebody who was strong enough to crack skulls d- said, I'm done with this tribal behavior. Like we need to establish a, like a formal society with institutions and start leaning towards what Europe is developing or we're, we're going to be left behind. Mm. Mm-hmm. And that was what their first great leader, Peter the Great, did. And so it does. I'm only saying that because it seems like you have a choice. Like you're either, either going to rely on something that's in the category of the rule of law and the category of institutions that are independent of individual might or power, or you're dependent on individual might and power. Right. Mm. Yeah. It seems like that. So like people with individual might and power give that up to institutions mm, exactly. and, the, and the rule of law. Right. So in and, general, they'd be against it. Right. right? So, so is, like, where do you practice? Where do you get to practice? So what is anarchy trying to solve? Is it trying to solve? Um, your I don't know liber- you tell me what to do, man. Right. Your libertarian fantasies, because if mm. that's the case, you get beat up by the more powerful group or you create a more powerful group and then you negotiate with other powerful groups. And now you're approaching government. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or you get eaten by a bear. So right. the, the thing with so the, I like the Peter the Great story because you've got you probably have a whole bunch of people who um, I mean they might be used to the status quo but one presumes that on some level everyone knows they don't like it or most people know that they don't like it maybe the warlords the the regional bosses don't mind it but surely it's I'm just imagining it's kind of like mafia style protection money. Like they, people show up and it's like, okay, give me uh, 75% of your chickens. Be ashamed if something had them, those chickens. And, and so then, and then Europe, evidently they're aware of it, or at least Peter the great is. And so he sees this disconnect or he sees this vision of how things could be compared to how things are for them. And is like, uh, we, and is able to convince people that his vision for the future of Russia would be is a good one or one that's better than the one that they're in. And therefore, so they've got the pain, the experience of the pain, and they have a picture of what it, of the desired future state and and someone who could articulate it and kind of act surely as a lightning rod to convince people or to maybe not maybe convince is the wrong word i mean i don't know how he did it but just in general in leadership terms it's like it's like here's the vision here's where here's what things could be like or here's where i think we should go who's with me and if you have a giant population of people who are mostly just getting beat up all the time by local warlords then it's kind of you know it's like you could imagine it being a persuasive argument to say yeah it would kind of be nicer if we had cobblestone streets or like you know, a library or who even knows, I don't know what the original institutions might have been, but, um, so the, so here's the thing we've talked before about, about that kind of like, uh, that this abstract ideals, I think that's how you'd put it when, you know, abstract ideals lead to bad stuff, lead to bad behavior. Yeah. But I don't know how, I don't know how you would lead without having some kind of, you have to have a vision and maybe the, maybe there's, it's, and it's often not concrete. It's often not like completely clear. I mean, I guess the, the better the vision is, the more the clearer the vision is, the better, more effective it's going to be. I think that's always true. Um, what is probably unclear in many cases is the path to get there. So if you're if you're on the top of a mountain and you see 
a better mountain across the way that's not always covered with snow, for example. Like, we need to get to that mountain. That would be a much better place to live year-round. How do we get there? I don't know, but I'm going to try who's with me, you know? Right. And I guess that's not abstract, That's but but it's a metaphor, so... <laughs> yeah, no, I, I'm picking up what you're throwing down. It's like, there's... I agree with you as I've, I, I've said that a bunch of times on our, on our chats and I honestly don't know how you do anything without the abstract ideal. So I just, I think, and I haven't reflected on it too much, but what's jumping into my head right now is like, maybe you always have to have paired some, some principles with it. And maybe your, your principles are like, these are bright red lines that we do not cross in pursuit of this, um, mm-hmm. this ideal. Yep. Yeah. You could call them principles or values. I think I would, I would also be, be a commonly used term for that. And those are underlying like those, um, those, those terms always seemed real woo woo and hand wavy to me, like mission, vision, purpose, values. It's kind of like, yeah, okay, whatever. It's like, you're just, you're just like trying to juice up your consulting bill or whatever. But when I, I read a book at one point that finally kind of untangled them for me it, by drawing almost like a, a, uh, it was like the foundation of a house, it was a graph, but it was like the foundation of the house. And the values piece is the thing that's at the very bottom. And it's probably not going to change in your entire life. Like they're, like your values that, you know, people should respect, you know, like humans don't kill people or stuff like that. Like real base level, base level stuff. And that's like not going to change. But like in, in a business context, like your values as the business owner are, are just not, they're uh, highly unlikely to ever change in your entire life. Maybe, a, maybe modified a little bit, but it, on top of that, you would have like particular, uh, visions for the future or a mission that you want to undertake. But in those, maybe on a 10 year time scale, perhaps any three years, 30 years could be all different, but, but they rest on top of the values. So I agree like the, the someone in like a Peter, the great type of situation would probably probably have to define what those were and like some kind of, I mean, presumably there was a religion at the time. Maybe they came from there. Yeah, they were, they, so it was Orthodox. uh, So that, and that was uh, separated them from, from the West Mm -hmm. again. Don't so, but there's two things that you're, you're raising. One is like this, the issue of how do you pursue abstractions or like leadership targets and mm-hmm. how would you set up some guardrails? And I agree with you with the structure you set up, like, you know, val- values could help to control, you know, how you, what you did to get to that mountaintop. And I'm like, it's funny because through like election cycles, I've, I became frustrated for a long time about people talking about values, you know, and what the values of the, I was like, I don't give a rat's ass what the values are. Um, this is all pre-Trump. Now I, now yeah. value is really important, right? But like he <laughs> laid that bare, but like the values didn't matter to me because they were like, they didn't tell you anything about the, what they were going to do necessarily. And, mm. um, and they also just kind of seemed like, uh, well, how are you, all the candidates are putting up the same values. So right. the they're all the same. What's the difference? And yeah. It's all meaningless. So tell me what your policies are. And mm-hmm. I'd like to hold you accountable for getting your policies done, which might be strategies, you know, in the, in the structure that you were putting together, you know, you've got your, you know, your, your mission, your values, and here are your strategies to accomplish the mission or whatever. And policy could mm-hmm. be one of them. Mm-hmm. But like the, 
I, I feel like if you, if you said freedom is one of our values, but you said, you know, we're not going to torture anybody. Like that's just one of our, um, we, our, our mission is freedom. Our value is to not torture. Um, Mm -hmm. and, and so you pursue freedom and, you know, the twin towers drop and now your values go out the window, right? Our freedom is, uh, is threatened right now by this attack. Uh, oh shoot, I can't torture because we've already documented what of our, you know, what our values are and we're not allowed to torture like that I think would be, and maybe that's kind of what, you know, all the value work and like the founding fathers, like all the fancy highbrow, you know, stuff that they kind of say is like part supposed to be part of our culture that is maybe kind of fallen completely away at this point. Maybe yeah. not completely, maybe I'm just being crazy. But to your to what you were asking about Peter the Great and his leadership style, as I he he was it's I don't know the way that it was being framed was that he knew that they had to move shift their culture to the West and become part of Europe. Mm-hmm. I don't actually I assume that was because he thought that would make Russia stronger. But I don't know what the mission was that was attached mm-hmm. to that from what I gathered. So I don't mm-hmm. know the mission. And he certainly didn't have like treating people well as part of the, the values. Because <laughs> he he was apparently like a very imposing figure, like six foot five. Mm. And I guess he tried to disguise himself while he would go to Europe to learn. And everybody knew it was him because he was gigantic Russian. Um, but he... He carried a club with him, and if people in his on his staff didn't do well, he would beat them with the club, and people would be hanged and drawn and quartered and all kinds of stuff. So it was just Jeez. a different circumstance. But, but from a leadership perspective, he, I, this historian was arguing that he profoundly and irrevocably changed the trajectory of Russian culture, shifting it to Western institutions from architecture to art, to uh, political institutions, to Hmm. um, uh, what was another big one? There was um, just how their court was run was different. Um, And people had to wear Western clothes. Um, It was, it was, you know, a a lot of stuff like that. Hmm. I wonder, yeah. I wonder how, much resistance there was just be curious to know i guess it doesn't really matter in terms of our conversation but just be curious to know like how did that trickle down you know it doesn't seem like what were the what was the telecommunication situation at that time like nothing right yeah was there even a printing press at the time like how how did this even it's just fascinating to imagine how if you're in this situation how would you disseminate your desires or your vision or your mission or your values or any of that stuff it had probably had to be word of mouth. I mean, even if there, if it, I don't know, I have no, I have no clue what even century this happened in. Yeah, we we it might be useful to find another like analogy to to work off of because I don't I just don't know enough about it. But my what I gathered from it was that there is the the court and there's the nobles and there's the um there was another group that I forgot the name of and they were required to do the things that he was laying out there. And presumably Mm. they were going back to their areas and doing those things. So, you know, all of a sudden you have, you know, a Renaissance style, um, you know, building showing up in, in your town, you know, Mm. and that just looks different or, Mm -hmm. 
Um, I, I don't know how it was brought all the way down to to the serfs that were um, basically slaves to the, the nobility right. at the time. Hmm. Well, yeah, but, but there was a you, pendulum swing back, uh, and there was an attempt to kind of to to bring. So I know that the for the groups that were there's like a military group, and I think there was a nobles group, and there was one other group that I can't remember the name of that seemed like it was like the so-called like you know stakeholders that he was managing Mm -hmm. and as he as power was turned over because they were just they started this thing with like a summary of the leaders Mm. and some of them were hit pretty hard with you know people wanting to go back to the old ways Mm. like he started trashing orthodox religion like he set up events that involved the nobility where the uh, orthodox religion would be mocked hmm. so I, I i don't know all the answers to what you're saying but you could apply yeah. it to anything really where it's like you're a change agent as a leader and you have to you, you can only change as as far as the people with you know the, the ability to oust you or kill you mm. um can tolerate so, yeah right and you're right i think that this the particular example isn't doesn't matter that much so it doesn't make sense to get bogged down in it but if you so imagine a situation where you've got well in, in this situation where you've got a kind of um a top-down leadership structure a government that's kind of top to the kind of government that we would recognize now is like more or less a modern government it's it's kind of top down there's like freedoms that you give up to the government but you're very careful about which ones you do give up and and i think all of that or like making a shift to that from something else would be dramatically improved by a a those values those boundaries like outside of we don't do things outside of this these fences you know and and so but if you so if you didn't have those you get what what you get what you are what we're seeing now yeah where it's like the political leadership so we have two main political parties and they at a point in time may have had a set of values that underpinned their their work and i don't know if people still see that Mm. do you it doesn't seem like it from the outside like i think back to season one of house of cards i'm like oh this was a documentary you know it it was just like two or three years or whatever whenever it came out ahead of its time but yeah so but here's the thing like if you let's say you had the values and those were just locked in everyone is more or less in agreement about the values of like a culture or whatever. Let's, let's just keep it to like the Northeast or like a village or whatever group. Yeah. And then you didn't have the other stuff. So in other words, like maybe the values are the things that are the real engine here and you, and, and it would work if you had those anarchy oh, right. would work. Right. Right. Like, and even like what we were talking about before, then, then I guess you have to worry about like how, Maybe it ends up being semantics, but like Hmm. if if freedom becomes in in this context, like freedom stops being like a a goal or a mission and it becomes a value. Mm -hmm. But then you have to figure out how to reconcile between the values and. Right. uh, Yeah. Yeah. It's almost like you want everyone to agree to one big one, like, you know, do one to others or something like that. Like if everyone actually just lived by that, it feels like anarchy could potentially work at, at this point. I don't know if we would have gotten to this point. Like I, I don't see how an industrial revolution would have happened. I, I you know, I, I don't, I don't know what what caused that to happen. I think makers do like to make. I don't know that they wouldn't 
make things in that environment. Yeah, but I feel like, I mean, talk about fact-free, but I feel like there's a lot of robber baron activity happening that... Oh, I see what you were getting at. I thought you were talking about, like, the, the creativity aspect of it. But, yeah, like the, hey, would I like to have my child working in you know, for, for 16 hours a day in terrible just conditions, just right. slaves, right. You know, like, right. um, in general, I think this makes no sense though, in that time, like the, the, like a, a set of nobility and a set of serfs, like I have a role, you have a role. Like, I don't know that they see, I, I don't know how much they see a problem with that. It's so strange. Like how, once that becomes part of your, you know, the water that you're swimming in, mm. Yeah, like, does the does the because nobody it seems it seems pretty universal that people don't generally like change, so they need to in order to change their situation needs to be more painful than the, what they predict the change pain will be. Like, so the switching cost, right? And like, I maybe it sounded maybe stupid what I, I said before too, but like the change pain of a serf and a noble. Uh, or a slave and a slave master may be the thing that's like keeping people from seeking that change. Cause like you said, the pain is intense for trying to make that change. Yeah. Or the, the fear of uncertainty, the risk of uncertainty and people in general really don't like any of that. And <laughs> I can't imagine anybody would have become accustomed to being a slave. And it feels like the yeah. pinnacle of, of uh, white privilege not that white people have never been slaves, but you know what I mean? Like to, to yeah. suggest that somebody would have acclimated to that. But I'm just thinking about like Shawshank Redemption and the prisoner who is like, I don't even want to leave. I've been in yeah. here forever. I can't make it out in the real world. What, you, what you're asking of me is is too much at this point, mm. which is super, super paternalistic and all and fraught to even suggest. But it's like, I don't feel like I don't feel like I'm. I'm not a serf and I'm not a slave. I'm very privileged and uh, don't want to say, don't want to try and equate to that. But mm. I do think that I'm very like supportive of the society generally that I've gotten to this point. I think you are too, but like there is a pie that got split up and to imagine that it's very different from like a slave and master and a serf and noble routine is like, is madness. Like there's a group of haves and there's still a group of have nots and yeah, everybody no, I, making less than, than $30,000 a year annually. They're light years away, away from where I am right now, but that's nothing compared to how far I am away from the real haves. You know what I mean? Mm, like right. we've been like, we're we are okay with how resources have been divided up i just i don't know no i think i i didn't mean to suggest that that in every um lifestyle situation like whatever whatever your day-to-day -day situation is i think there are probably tons tons of them that still exist where people are like oh i'm not afraid of change like everything sucks about my life i would welcome change with open arms and i feel like that's I feel like not all of those people, but I feel like that group is probably the like let let's set the world on fire, let's burn the whole thing down. Well, but and right, and that's the difference between leadership and and um, like not advocates, but um, like it's, like I want to tear everything down is very different than a leader who articulates a vision because right. even even if you're so frustrated with your situation 
And I think like domestic violence is a, is maybe a, a frame for this. Like hmm. your situation is terrible, but the uncertain future is so scary that people will stay in, in a domestic yeah, violence lot. situation. So it like, it's, it does take like will and vision and communication and I do think it matters what people do. Like, I think it's so funny. Like you're saying, how does, how did Russia get brought all along with Peter the Great? He's one guy. Mm. And, you know, you know, like, but it does. And it's, I know they're simplifying it because it's a very com- complex topic, but one person's vision has to matter. Like it, it has to help people to see a better future, whether and there's there here's here's all the people and the and the voices in that person's head saying, but we might not make it, or here's a million and things that could go wrong. But no, I there's a mountaintop over there, and it's gonna be better. And it's like sheer will of that person and the communication that would help other people to say, I'm scared of what the future looks like, but I can at least like shape my identity and my sense of future around something that this person's putting out there that like I wasn't strong enough to put out there, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. is that kind of what you're getting at? Like you need that, like you need a person, like a person has to do that. I think so. It's certainly the only one I can think of unless you're the leader, in which case you're the, you're the one that trusts yourself but you trust yourself so much or project that image that you cause other people to, or it causes other people to trust you. They believe in you. They trust you. They, they believe it will be okay if they take, cause, cause ultimately all of it is anytime you, you're going to, you're going to move, you're going to go from this mountaintop to that mountaintop. Anytime there's a vision of the future or a mission, you're going to go on a mission, right? Go, you're going to travel. Even if it's 100% mental, like uh, like some kind of thought leadership, I'm going to change your mindset about pricing or whatever. So going, uh, it it cre- it is, I think probably without exception, it's going to be unknown. I think by definition, it needs to be. It's going to be unknown how it's going to go. It could fail. You could fall off of a ridge into the a crevasse. You know what I mean? Like it's a risk. It's an. I feel like. In the situations where you're not already, let's just like say, let's just for the sake of the conversation, in situations where you're on a daily basis, like at risk of losing your life, you know, war zone, slave situation, you know, like just horrible situation where anything would be better than this, right? If you have, I guess if you have any comfort with your status quo, any level of familiarity or acceptance of your status quo, any kind of change or mission or travel or movement, however you want to talk about it, is going to feel riskier than the devil you know, so to speak. Yeah, yeah. So you got to, you you need to somehow trust that this bet that you're making, it's a bet that you're making. You're gambling, maybe with your life, to escape from this prison or from this relationship or from mob rule or, or whatever it is. You're gambling, in some cases, with the highest possible stakes. So where does that confidence come from for a group? So it's probably not going to come. I don't, like I think it never, I think it never comes from, uh, I, I, 
I'm having a pretty strong reaction to it. I, I think it's never the group. It's always a person. Mm-hmm. Now, I think a bunch of people can share in the power that that person is putting out to the group. And maybe there's a couple of other people in the group that had the same idea. Maybe they didn't say anything. Mm-hmm. Or maybe they did say anything. But you'll. it's inconceivable to me that you know, in a group of 50 people that were in a very difficult situation – that all of them are going to be like, this is the thing we have to do. And I feel super confident about it. E- even if they were all different plans, I think most people would, would just not even put forward and try and promote a solution. I see it all the time in like, in, in, at work. I see it at, you know, in, in let lower stakes environments. But I feel like what I see consistently is like, People are scared and they don't want to extend themselves outside of their mind where it can be chopped down by other people. Mm-hmm. They're fearful. Yeah, they want to put themselves out there. Right. And uh, so I think it comes from a person or persons, you know, having a vision and having confidence. Where now, are you, like, if you're asking where do they get that confidence, it's bizarre, right? Like, mm. maybe that's just like character and track record or delusion or whatever. Yeah. Um, All of the above, you know, in, in different measures, probably. Right. Yeah. Because you need to be, you know, for some of these really big ones, you need to be almost psychotic to to believe or like megalomaniac to believe that it's even feasible. Like, like you know right. what I mean? Like, like if there's any chance. Right. And this is just sparking so many, so many thoughts for me, like just parenting falls into this category. Like I've here, I feel like this is the right way for me to engage with my kids. But then I, I'm scared that I'm, I'm doing something wrong by, by mm-hmm. doing that. It feels too, too, like too much, you know, mm-hmm. like I think this really is the right thing to do for them. But I don't have enough confidence in what I want to do for them that I think is the right thing to do for them. And then I just never do it. But then I just sit there and just cycle. I'm, I'm constantly thinking I just have this problem. But I don't have the confidence to follow my intuition. I don't trust mm. my own intuition enough to impose mm. it on their their lives. Mm. And uh, that that may be a good thing, you know, be, because I know myself. Uh, I'm really 50-50 as to whether that's a good thing or not. Yeah. Right. Right. And you said, trust your intuition, right? So it's like trust. It feels like it boils down to a trust thing. It's like, do you trust either yourself that your intuition about this vision is right and you need to, and it's a, it's a group thing. Like you could, you can certainly people gamble starting a business or, or literally gamble or, um, uh, on a, choosing a spouse or, you know, like there's these risks that you take or even asking someone out. Everything, every purchase you make, every restaurant you go to, I mean, look at Yelp, look (laughs) at our, look at all the reviews are, I feel like there's, um, we've really gotten to the point. I've really gotten to the point where I'll just speak for myself, but I think there may be broader where I just want to eliminate risk all the time. Mm -hmm. I want to be safe. So I'm, I'm not going to just drive into town and see what restaurants open. I'm not going to just try this restaurant. I'm not <laughs> going to try this product. I need to do so much research to eliminate all the risk before I do this thing. And why? Like, um, Because a lot of times it's torture to do and then the, the research. And then it doesn't necessarily always bear fruit. And so it's like, wouldn't I just be better off just kind of following my nose, you know? Yeah. Well, I saw a great quote the other day. I don't remember who said it, but it was like, adventure is just bad planning. 
<laughs> we want to have an adventure just don't plan anything right but there's it's it may i i don't know i mean well we used to do that like before you had to you know like a uh dumpster full of responsibilities we used to do stuff like that i mean we were idiots well you know, just we would like do whatever stupid examples like we we just went out for the, the kids were amazing and got Christy a balloon ride. So we like went to Massachusetts to do the balloon ride. So, okay, we're going to this town we never been to before. How do you pick a restaurant? No, you, you know, you can drive in and just go and, and see what you see and go in and pop in, or you can go check out the reviews and hope yeah. that you're tuned. We checked out reviews and it wasn't that great. This <laughs> <laughs> is like, you know, and, but we spent, we, we could have been talking to each other, but instead we were like, you know, doing the research yeah. on this stuff. Yeah. But like, yeah. the, it's this whole thing. Like, I don't know who the judge is, but like, if I make a mistake, someone is going to judge me, I guess. Cause I, you, you and I both know there's, you never know what good or bad is going to come from a situation, you know, like, mm-hmm. so you could, you could go to you that restaurant. it. Right. Right. Like, and it, I guess I'm not saying like, it doesn't, nothing matters either, but I don't know. Leadership well, is is really tough because, like, um, I don't know. It, Dude, I have a personal trainer specifically for this reason. Because I want to be told what to do. Like, I could do it, but I'd be, I'd be thinking. I'd have to think about stuff, and I just want to. There's two reasons. One is there's an appointment, but that doesn't really relate to our conversation. There's an appointment, so I have to show up. I can't blow it off without really looking like an idiot and messing up somebody else's life. So it causes me to, to show up and do it. But the main thing is I want I want to be told what to do. I don't want, in that situation, I don't want to think about how many times did I do this? How many times should I do it? What should I do next? And and the, and the Adam is like in freaking sick shape, amazing shape. And he's, um, he knows what he's talking. He just projects confidence. He knows what he's talking about. He's never like... He never gets confused or lost about what he's doing or, oh, geez, what should we do next? He's not wondering like that. He's always right. calm confidence at all times and and can sort of demonstrates the he's like the after picture in every <laughs> like Soloflex commercial. So there's I just trust him. Like, I don't care what you could tell me to do, whatever. Stand on your head, you know, whatever. And I'll just be like, all right, just do it, you know? Yeah. So. And it, it sort of, it's, it reminds me of that. It's kind of like when, well, when you actually got to the balloon, the pilot took over, whatever they call him, right? Like the pilot yeah. told you what to do and you did it, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, because that's a totally unfamiliar environment and you've got an expert there to kind of like lead the experience. So, yeah, I, I think just to, to pull it all the way back, it feels like, it feels like leaders are an emergent property of groups of humans. And yet we've had this, this talk about how you, you almost need to be a leader for yourself. Like for certain things. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like to have like what you talked about with the, um, this isn't a way to be critical of that. So don't mistake it for that. But I find that we give our power over to other people all the time and mm-hmm. it's good. You're being very deliberate about that in that situation. I've done that too. Like when I was doing the, um, the, the MMA stuff with the kids, mm. um, I had the exact same sentiment that you had. I was a friend of mine was coming with me and he can't stand being told what to do. So it was, we had very different experiences there. Cause I was like, yeah, like 
totally just tell me what to do. And I, I'm, I just, I want to, I want there to be like an external goal that I'm, I'm actually striving towards. And I, I meet, I don't want to create this, this goal. So that was awesome. And yeah. it was deliberate, like you're saying, but like, I normally, I normally hate being told what to do. So it's very contextual. Yeah. It's, it's extremely contextual. I agree. But like the leadership thing, I think it is among, I think, it's probably a weird extension to, to bring it to the self, but, and does belong with, you know, a, a group of individuals. Mm. But I do think that there's this thing where we, we, we doubt ourselves. We give over power to other people all the time. Mm-hmm. That's true. And well, cause, why, cause, you know, it's like, well, a, it, I know why. Cause then it's not my fault. I'm not on the hook. I'm not the one that picked the restaurant. Yelp picked it. Yeah. It's funny that's to- though. That's like, totally the reason. Like it, it, for for me, when it's any kind of like group decision that I'm making, you I think where are it's bothered yourself it, out there. I think where it's bothered me the most, I think, is where like there's an institution of some kind that is supposed to be an expert, but I really don't have confidence in that expertise. <laughs> so, like consultants or the medical profession, at times. I struggle with so, mm. and not not consultants at work, but consultants that we've had in, in our lives. So, like, you know, we'll we'll look at a, a consultant to advise us about um, about colleges, and I'm like, well, I the technical expertise that I would be interested in is how to pay for college, but I don't want somebody else to do what color is my parachute to my kid, you know, like what. What is that? You know, oh, that's no, there's no. like a, a a book from when we were in high school, and mm-hmm. I don't know around that time. That's called "What Colors Your Parachute." It's supposed to be like the book is supposed to be like a process through which you kind of figure out what you want to do, hmm. like who you are and what you want to do. Hmm. Um, or yeah. or like psychology, you know, like yeah, it's like, complete. Bunk. I'm gonna go to this <laughs> like I I don't know who this psycho is that's in the room with me giving me advice. <laughs> you know, like he could be. The most perverted, depraved individual in the universe, and I'm yeah. like, like, you know what I mean? Like it, that yeah. stuff, like that, you know? Right. And so, like, look, look, I take the kids' pediatrician for example. You know, like, why did we pick that person? Well, because Pete recommended him. So, like, I trust you. You trust Pete. Therefore, I trust Pete. Pete trusts the doctor, the other doctor. So now we trust the pediatrician. Right. So it's like this trust chain. Um, and, and we did, we did actually meet with, I think three different people before we had Cooper. So it was like, wasn't like completely just like Pete said this. So we did it, but there's just people who are, who it's trust all the way down. I think, I think it is trust all the way down. Yeah. Like I, I was, I was like consultant cause I, you know, I did consulting for super long time. It's like, all I'm selling here is trust. Like, yeah. like the amount of trust these people have in me is the only thing I'm selling. Well, right. Because there are other people who say the same stuff, but they don't trust them because they don't have a book. This is a, a weird angle to take on it, but I read Journey to the Center of the Earth recently. And Jules, is that Jules Verne? Yeah. Wow. And, and the, so there's an uncle who's like, you know, a savant scientist. And there's a nephew who's like a young, you know, wannabe scientist mm-hmm. and the uncle like gets his hands on a document and they think he thinks it might be an indication that there's a path to the center of the earth so he's like we're going tomorrow <laughs> and like the the nephew doesn't have doesn't share any of his confidence but it basically is has to do what 
the uncle's saying. It's complete. It's, it's such an encapsulation of what you're talking about. So the almost the entire time in the trip, the uncle is supremely confident, never mm-hmm. betrays. So like this is like for a leader, like what are some important pieces? Like with whom do you share doubt if you have it? Yeah. Are you a psycho that doesn't have doubt or are you just like strategic and not sharing your doubt? Cause he didn't express any doubt through most of the book. And there was mm-hmm. one scene scene where they're like, they've, they have no water. Like this is one of the things that the nephew was really concerned about, but the uncle mm-hmm. was like, don't worry about it. We've got, you know, containers. We'll be able to f- we'll find water in the earth. And so they're walking, in they the make magma. it, they, they go to Denmark, they go to, Iceland, they go to the volcano, they go down the volcano, they go and they start heading down a tunnel under mm-hmm. the earth. Mm-hmm. And they're in there. And the nephew's like, by the way, we're kind of running out of water here. <laughs> Remember when I told you? And the guy's like, we're not stopping until we, until we, you know, until we get where we're going. Uh-huh. They, and they go way farther than they're like, the nephew's like, we're at a spot right now where we do not have enough water to make it back to where we came from. Mm-hmm. And the uncle's like, oh, no problem. Cause we're taking this, we're going to take this trail and we're going to get where we need to go. Well, they end up at a dead end. Mm. <laughs> so it's, to me, right. it's like, so- like he's exhibiting, like, I mean, it's, that's leadership, right? Like I have this vision. I'm going to make something real in the world. I, not only am I going to move my body in the world in a certain way and achieve certain things and gain certain knowledge, but I'm going to, through sheer will and leadership, I'm going to bring this guy and then another guy from Iceland who doesn't talk ever but can lift heavy things with us. Now there are three bodies you know, where there would have only been one according to this will, yeah. and we're doing this crazy adventure where we're all in danger all the time, and I have to constantly say to you it's going to be all right. Right. And that's all he's really, from what you're describing, that's all he's really doing. Don't worry. It'll be fine. Don't worry. It'll be fine. It's always like telling the person, continue picturing a future, you know, reduce your fear, continue picturing a a future of, you know, of, uh, you know, your happy place. Mm, Right. And so, right. And and then what happens when not that in that, I don't mean what happens in the story, but what, what happens when you've got a leader who shows no doubt ignores warnings and just sort of pats them on the head but then the the lot the the risk that the worrier was concerned with happens and it's like okay um that wasn't good so at that what's interesting is at that point he didn't he had to give over some power to the nephew at that mm -hmm. point not all but a little bit but like before that it was none Mm -hmm. like the nephew had nothing to say anything Mm -hmm. he said he got nothing but like once once that happened and the net like and this is consistent with how it works with your stakeholders right like you get to go all right we'll give you all this rope we'll give you all this rope until yeah. you know you something bad happens then we're gonna you know knock you and you're gonna have to do something that we want you to do man that's problematic though it's like because they're they're really they're not bought in right they're not enrolled in the journey right no and he it, was that's true he was never in, in yes he never right. said, I want to do this journey for myself. Right. It was always under duress. Mm-hmm. At one point in the story, he said, this is an amazing goal, an amazing task. And I, and I, but he never he n- never got to the point where he owned it. Mm-hmm. He yeah. was always doing it under duress. That's interesting. Right. 
And it's like, you know, I coach people now, right? And like, I can tell them all day, I can bring the camel to the water all day long, but they got to do it. Like, I can't do their homework. Like, that doesn't work. So, Does so the camel, the, when you bring the camel to the water, is it the camel toe that gets wet first or is it? If that's the case, you're doing something right or wrong. I'm not sure if it's right or wrong. Right. You're doing something right or wrong. I feel like a wet camel toe means you've been successful. At something. At leadership. Ah, uh, man. Somehow that visual <laughs> made me lose my train of thought. I can't put my finger on exactly what it was, but it, well, I think you were saying it, it was about like if people aren't bought in. Right? Oh, right, yeah, yeah. That and that's what I was. That's what I was wondering about with the Peter the Great thing. Like, how did he get the people bought in when he couldn't even probably barely communicate with them? But you know, okay, chain of command. It was authority. But, um, yeah, he had his yeah. authority, and he had the he had the military with him. Yeah, well, there you go. So it's like um, you could either be killed or do what I say. Exactly. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. So that to me, that I mean, it, I guess it worked. But in an I anar- guess, but in an but, anarchy, what you were talking about, it's like it's like how much is the vision shared and bought into versus mm-hmm. like is this an anarchy where we have a, a principle where might doesn't make right? Yeah, it's like. Do you remember? Do you remember the? I think it was the second. Conan the Barbarian movie when um, when James Earl Jones, who's basically a cult leader, like a religious cult leader, and he's he's standing in front of this pyramid and there are these people all standing up on the this sort of like tiers, you know, like like not shelves, like balconies. Mm-hmm. And uh, and Conan's like this warrior and, you know, and 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 uh, sort of paraphrasing it. But Conan is like, you know, steel. What's you know, I think he asks Conan. What's the strongest thing? Oh, nothing is stronger than steel. And he's like, oh, yes, there is. And he says, and, and James Earl Jones looks up and there's this like teenage girl. And he's like, come, come to me, sister. And she just jumps to her death. Right. And he's like, that's I real power. That. Right. And, and, uh, yeah, he's like, what is, the, what is the, what is the, the sword compared to the hand that wields it? Something like that. Right. And like a cult leader would, if you want to be a cult leader, you're doing it wrong. If you're threatening people, you know what I mean? Right. Like you want to be a good cult leader. Good cult leaders, like it's more of a brainwash kind of thing. Well, like here, just, put this, uh, just put on this bomb on vest and uh, head off yeah. to paradise. <laughs> right. I just read a book on this, and it's like it was like the most dangerous book I ever read. I'm like, oof. I don't even want to share this. <laughs> I've never read that. Uh, I went to Catholic <laughs> high school, and I've never read the Bible. That is so. It was probably yeah. banned. Anyway, um, I literally wrote cheat notes in my Bible once. <laughs> that is, oh, that is, <laughs> yeah. God, I'm, I'm picking up what you're throwing down. <laughs> <laughs> totally getting this message. Let yes. me just jot this down. Um, but yeah, it's like that, <laughs> I, that might be, that's sort of a key piece. Well, it's not, I, I think you raise a really interesting distinction between leadership and authority. And, and I think leadership done well is more of the, the get people enrolled in the journey thing. Uh, a lot of times that one works out more culturally, I think. Like, well, it's a why, are you, more of a why are you change. leading? Like the, the journey to the center of the earth, that guy was a megalomaniac or yeah. I don't actually, try, I don't know what that word means, but like he, he knew what he needed to do for his legacy and he was going to do it. And he needed people, so he's gonna he's gonna yeah. do it. It's not like, selfish, but maybe like a leader can have you know their selfish ideas. They can have their organizational ideas or their community ideas, you know, and hmm. want want to serve more. And it, I feel like leadership 
I, I like the, I like what you said about leadership and authority. And like, if uh, authority is like um, maybe the opposite of leadership, right? Mm, like you kinda. don't, you're not bringing people along. It's the carrot and the stick. So leadership is here's here's the carrot, and authority is the, the stick. Maybe. Yeah, that's pretty good. That tracks for me. And I suppose there's the question of like, how did he how did he convince the army to get, be behind him? But uh, but but I'm looking at the clock, and it's time for me to lead my yeah. I don't want to you karate. to be late. I'm be late. Yeah, cool. Well, I, I feel like we I feel like we got somewhere. It's All interesting. Right. We'll stick the carrot. We're done. <laughs> In the camel toe. <laughs> <laughs> it's too moist. It won't stay. Oh God. Good times. All right, take it easy, dude. See you, man. <laughs>